somewhere between waking and sleeping. On our journey towards the unfathomable deep, there comes a thin moment where we have one foot in the waking world, and the other is in that other world, where we relinquish conscious control. Pausing here, and straddled between two planets that drive one another like gears, the attentive traveller will notice a narrow door, only wide enough to sidle through. This is the border of sleep, where imagination and reality are braided together, a chasm in the crust of consciousness, venting the hot pumice of imagery into the irresistible magma of narrative. Welcome to episode 11 of Stories from the Borders of Sleep, a weekly podcast of curious tales from bordersofsleep.com, featuring original stories by your host, Seymour Jacklin. Visit bordersofsleep.com for more information or to leave some feedback. Artwork is by Robin Trainer, production by Tim Wiles, and the soundtracks for this week's episode are from the albums Amazing Grace by David Modica and The Ice Castle by Kirsty Hawkshaw. Both are available from magnatune.com. This podcast is also available on iTunes. So, if you are ready to journey with me, then I shall begin. Balthazar's Chandelier A story adapted from a traditional tale by Seymour Jacklin Quite the strangest thing happened to me today. Tonight. It's keeping me from sleep, so I have to write it down before I can rest. I feel strangely excited and free, but I'm not sure why. It's certainly strange and new. I saw another side to my master this afternoon. As I look around this little room at the top of the house, lit by the flame of a single candle, the walls seem to glow with possibilities and even the shadows have a pleasing potential. Let me explain. I'm one of many servants in the house of a great man. He's great in wealth, great in girth, great in honour among others. He's greatly respected and greatly loved, although until today I never knew why. By the time I have finished telling what happened today, you too may think of a few other things that are great about my master, Sheikh Balthazar. As befits a great man, Sheikh Balthazar has a great house. It has never been possible to count the rooms, for anyone who has tried always seems to find another room after they think that they have counted the last, or they become confused as to whether to include the tiniest broom cupboard in the house, since even the tiniest and darkest broom cupboard is furnished better than the brightest solariums in these parts. For me, one day is much like another. I get up with the sun, and my first task is to clean and refill the censers with incense. They are located on either side of the main staircase, and fill the house with a sweet and pleasing aroma throughout the day. I then beat the dust out of the rugs and sweep out the atrium. After this, I set to polishing the various ornaments and fine metalwork about the house. Most of my chores are concerned with cleaning, dusting, and shining, and I report to the head steward, who is also in charge of the purchasing, and sometimes sends me on errands to buy things. On certain days, I have other specific duties, such as raking out the pool, and today it was to polish the chandelier. The chandelier. That chandelier is like the very icon of the house owner himself. 
Its presence fills the air above the foyer. Floating over the staircase, massive and yet gracile, sparkling with opulent rainbows, gathering threads of light from every source and weaving them into a garment for the walls. Like my master Balthazar, it draws all eyes to it and reflects their gaze back from a million beautifying shards. Like him, it inspires awe and, sooner or later, silence. All who pass under it feel as if they pass under the eye of the master himself, whether he's at home or not. Never was so much glass so put together as to give such an impression of such an imposing presence. The chandelier was said to have been a gift from one sheikh even greater than Balthazar, the magnitude of whose wealth we could not conceive. In order to clean the chandelier, we approached it by a scaffolding of bamboo, a dirty, humble thing lashed together with rags and built and brought in for the purpose. We would always creep about, for the first door at the top of the stairs led to the chambers of the sheikh himself, who was reputed to be thunderously disapproving of any disturbance or noise outside his door. After I'd finished my early chores and taken a bowl of soup in the kitchen, I went to the foyer where the scaffolding had been put up by the carpenter and his mate in the morning. I swung myself up it easily. I have to say, this was the task I most loved of all the services I performed in the house of Balthazar. To be up there in the chandelier was to be encircled in a hushed forest of icicles where I hardly dared to breathe, but I could not open my eyes wide enough to take in the glory of it. I'm quite sure my eyes would grow to the size of saucers, and I never tired of taking in all the angles and patterns of beauty that surrounded me. Every single drop of glass was to be dusted, polished by hand, and for this purpose I carried a cloth impregnated with clarified lavender vinegar. After several minutes of quiet contemplation, I began to work, cradling each of the crystals in my hand one by one and rubbing it gently, speaking to them under my breath. It was plain to see from close up that although the chandelier as a whole was one great being, every facet of every shard was its own little creature too. There was no sound, but my own breathing and whispering as I worked. And in such silence it seemed as if the light itself could be heard tinkling among the droplets of glass. I was born into servanthood, and although there are people these days who I have heard would be outraged at the injustice of having so little control over my own status and being condemned to work for others for my whole life, my father taught me the secret of relishing every sacred moment that constitutes the most humble tasks. He was a servant too, a hewer of wood who found delight in the various patterns of grain that he saw in every cloven log, a carrier of water who could laugh at his reflection in a bucket as it came up from the well and take special pleasure in the particular smoothness of his yoke and its perfect balance. I defy anyone to convince me that their pleasures in life were greater or more numerous than mine as the polisher of the chandelier. And so I lost myself. Today, for some reason, perhaps to do with the way that the light played through the windows, 
I was especially absorbed in my work and noticed nothing else. I didn't even notice, as I reached for another piece of crystal, that my feet were out of line with my centre of gravity, right on the edge of the scaffolding, and I lost my balance. From east to west there are no shades to this rule. A falling man does not choose what he grasps. And so I swung out for a moment, holding on to a single piece of glass. As I swung back, I managed to grab a pole on the scaffolding, but it was too late. The crystal had detached itself from the chandelier and slipped out of my grasp, spinning a long, long, long way down and taking a lifetime before it crashed onto the marble and flew apart like a raindrop with a musical chime and clatter invoking a tiny arpeggio of broken pieces that cut through the silence like a sabre. I didn't dare to move, but clung to the side of the scaffolding like a brightly coloured bag of clothes pegs. Everything was whirling and churning as if in a dream, and that tiny sound replayed itself like an echo in my skull. In the next instant, the door of my master's chamber flew open and he stood there, filling it. It seemed as if his eyes were blazing with fire. What was that? he called. I didn't answer. I hoped he would mistake me for a bag of clothes pegs, and I held my breath. He stepped out onto the landing and surveyed the scene below him in silence. At this point my sweaty hand began to slip on the pole and I had to move to catch my grip again. The scaffolding creaked unforgivingly and my master looked straight at me. What? Was that? He repeated more slowly. I broke a piece of the chandelier, I gasped, giving myself up in that moment to be disgraced, lose my livelihood and be turned out of the house on a minute's notice. He looked at me, and a wide grin claimed the corners of his mouth and spread across his face until his cheeks were round like plums. Do it again, he roared. I thought this was a sadistic threat and waited for him to finish his sentence, but instead he said, That was beautiful! A beautiful sound! Do it again! I managed to pull myself back up onto the platform and stuttered, You want me to to break another piece? Yes! Break another one! Feeling that I was as good as dead anyway and had nothing to lose, I reached out and snapped off another piece of the chandelier and dropped it. Again the little burst of music filled the air and then died. Another one! he bellowed. So I broke and dropped another one. Why should you have all the fun? he said, striding to the bottom of the stairs, and to my dismay he started to climb up the scaffolding, which creaked yet more unforgivingly under his weight. His ruddy face appeared on the edge of the platform. Help me up, he said. I took the hand that I had only ever kissed before, and hauled him up next to me where he sat catching his breath and chuckling for a few moments before drawing himself up to his full height and reaching as far as he could into the chandelier and yanking two pieces free with his huge hands. He flung them to the floor with a whoop of delight and hopped from one foot to the other as they broke and sent up their chimes. Do you hear that? he exclaimed, patting my cheek affectionately. Have you ever heard such a lovely sound? Come on, your turn. We destroyed that chandelier, piece by piece, sometimes in clusters of handfuls, listening to the every variation of sound that we could make. 
I don't know how much time passed, but one by one the other servants and members of the household turned out to watch a master and his servant making music together. When there was only one single drop of crystal left, my master took one of the chains from his neck, and threading the crystal onto it as a pendant, he put it around my neck and thanked me with tears in his eyes. That's the most fun I've ever had, my boy, he said. Take the rest of the day off. <laughs>